Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. This show is all about commercial property investing for the private investor. Whether you're just getting started or scaling up your portfolio, through interviews, tips and lessons learned along the way, we want to give you the inspiration, knowledge and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy. Bonjour, ça va? Sorry, I'm just back from another ski trip in France. A bit late in the season, I know, for some of you really serious types, but there was still plenty of snow and the weather was fantastic. It was really t-shirt and a light skiing jacket all week. I really like going Easter, actually, as you get the best of both worlds. You get snow and skiing, plus the longer days with sun and warmth in the afternoons. It was probably the last trip for the year, I reckon, but hopefully we'll still get a hiking and skiing trip in before all melts in the Scottish Highlands. Right, enough of that. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Commercial Property Investor podcast. Download numbers are still going up and up, so thank you to those of you who've been recommending the podcast to others. I really appreciate it. It's definitely showing up in the numbers. This week, I want to explore what I consider to be the three phases of filling license space. That's workspace that is under a license contract to occupy, as it were, rather than a lease. Filling space, whether it be fresh workspace that you've just created and is coming online, or whether it's backfilling some recently vacated space, is not actually an easy, simple process. It's really the result of a continual process which your business needs to be breathing every day. It includes the obvious branding, marketing, and a good sales process, which you can continually improve, of course, but filling or refilling space is actually dependent on a number of other factors. For instance, being aware of who might be moving out of your spaces and foreseeing gaps in your occupancy is really important. This is down to knowing your customers, of course. And knowing what the competition is doing and how their occupancy is will also have an effect. For example, if you're in a really competitive environment, your price sensitivity will be higher than if you're in a location that's only, say, within 50 miles of any other location. There's really no competition locally. Not everything is down to the price, of course. It is about the value of your overall offer, but keeping an eye on the competition is really important. And keeping a good database of leads and even a waiting list if you're lucky enough to be in that position. But I guess that is more to do with having a sales and marketing process. So for this podcast, I'm going to take it that you have some sort of sales and marketing process in place. I want to talk through some of the phases I've observed at our different locations and others that I've been tracking. Like everything in life and business, multi-let locations go through phases. Nothing ever quite stays the same for too long. There are lots of phases, of course, but I'm going to try and keep it simple, so bear with me. When a proud owner opens a shiny new location, they may get good occupancy fairly quickly, right? But over time, if the owner doesn't watch, the shine will come off a little, and eventually, a more mature location may have longer void periods. And sometimes they seem to kind of lose their soul. 
Have you ever viewed one of those locations? I have. Lots of them. These are the ones that seem to have no life about them. If you ever see anyone, they're quiet and a bit unresponsive. The atmosphere just seems flat. In fact, it seems to be there is no atmosphere. And of course, that is where the opportunity presents itself to us. Something that's tired and less loved that we can see a better future for. But when you or I are taking on any of these locations and recreating something modern and exciting or building something completely new, there are three distinct phases of occupancy that I want to talk about. It's a continuous cycle, though, that has been going on at each of our locations. Some of our older locations have been through this cycle a number of times. Others are only just getting started and some are kind of in the middle. Right, let's get on with it. What are these phases? So the first phase for me, I call bums on seats. The second phase, phase two, is optimization, And then the third phase is maintaining. Now, let me talk you through what's happening at each of these stages. So bums on seats. Now, why bother this? What does this actually mean? Well, this is literally about getting your occupancy level to a basic level, right? It's about the starter phase. You don't have to give your space away. And I'm not advocating lots of fancy offers and low prices. Without getting into the technical steps, though, you need to set the expectation of the market price where you think it's going to be, but negotiate a rate that will close the deal fairly whilst the space is taking shape. Remember, the great thing about licenses to occupy versus traditional leases is they're more flexible and the opportunity to improve the contract comes around fairly regularly. It depends on when you set that review and the length of license that you've actually created. One of the major factors on whether a new client chooses your space may well be the perceived occupancy, of course. So most don't want to be that guinea pig, right? If your location doesn't have a critical mass of occupants, then it's more difficult to convince that new customer your location is perfect for them. When there's not really that much proof it's perfect for anybody else. So you've got to try and get some occupancy. It's also quite difficult to negotiate with new customers when your building is empty and they have a choice of lots of spaces and no particular target dates. So the bums on seat stage could happen further into your location's maturity, by the way. As I mentioned earlier, a big client might leave. Their circumstances have changed. They don't need you anymore. Their head office might have said, um, we've taken a countrywide strategic decision and it just hasn't gone in your favour. So they've moved on. We've had that several times. You get these customers that grow and grow and grow, which is fantastic. But eventually they either get bought or if they're a regional office, they might have a strategic change at head office, which means they move on. And whilst it was fantastic having them there, paying rent, occupying your space, Now you have a larger void than if it was an occupant just taking, say, one unit. And that's a time when you might need to get back to that bums on seats phase. Or maybe the competition's just come and bit you in the ass when you weren't paying attention. Or maybe some macroeconomic factors come into play. We've all had our fair share of those recently. So we have to temporarily go back to that bums on seats phase. Now a question you may be asking is, what is the percentage occupancy required before moving on to the next phase? That's a good question. I don't actually know the exact answer for that. And it does change per location. And whether you're phasing your redevelopment and its release, i.e. you're not opening all for occupancy all at once. There's a fine balance there between 
creating new space and putting it on the market and having some in reserve. But we'll go into that another time. So the second phase is the optimization. Once you've built the occupancy to a point where the customers feel there's a critical mass and a community forming, then you can start to optimize the space pricing. The more stickiness and fear of missing out you can create, the more potential clients want to use your space. This is time to push for what you perceive to be the market rate. Now, this is a bit of finger in the air and your overall due diligence may have been awesome, but sometimes you might even be able to go higher than the perceived market rate because you have some uniqueness. It's not an exact science, but there are some telltale signs to look out for. So, for instance, occupancy levels. Are you 100% occupancy? It sounds great, and it is, but it's a sure sign that your customers value your offer more than you do. Maybe you need to look at your pricing level. And during that optimization stage, you're just constantly tweaking, not just your pricing level, but also your overall offer. Keep listening to customers, keep asking questions and optimizing your offer and price point. Now, eventually, when you get to the sweet spot, this is now about maintaining, the maintaining phase. This phase is all about maintaining the soul, the life of the location, making customers feel valued, continuing to make connections with the new community and building those relationships, maintaining the quality of the space and, of course, the offer. So all of these things are now, I guess, less tangible. They're the human interactions. And it may be that you have a staff member on that site or at least somebody in charge of that site who is taking care of all these things. They need to have an understanding of the customer demands and adapting the offer to suit ever-changing trends because things are always changing. Incidentally, this does take a different type of skill set than maybe during the filling stages or the bums on seats and optimization. You might need to deploy a different member of your team to carry out this role. Of course, this depends on the size of the site. If this is not a big site that can afford to have a member of staff there, then you need to think about how these phases are still going to affect your occupancy, but how you're going to manage them without necessarily having somebody there doing it. Then either you're forced to repeat this process because you have more vacancy than your location requires, i.e. it's just too empty, and it could be because that large client has moved out, as I said. You want to test the market for a new hire offering though, and perhaps in a specific wing or a part of your building, you might decide, you know what? We've been maintaining this for a while. Now we're going to try a different offer. We're going to upgrade a particular element. And if your building has two or three different legs or arms to it, it can be quite easy to just take a certain section that's maybe become vacant, improve the product higher in quality than the other parts that you have, and test. See whether you can get a higher market rate. Let me, let me give you an illustration of this, right? So, as some of you recall, we bought a mature container self-storage site a year or so ago. And when we bought it, occupancy was around about 100 In fact, it was 100%. But the market rate for the containers seemed to be stuck in the bums and seats phase. It was as though they'd never quite come out of that stage. And the actual market rate for that product was around 25 to 30% higher. So... As soon as we took over, we immediately moved into phase two, optimization. Now, this is not an exact science, as I say, but we had to test to see if our theory was correct by setting the price for new occupiers at what we believe to be the market rate. We didn't change 
the pricing for all existing clients. I don't really advocate that. But we focused on new customers. So when somebody left, right, we've got a new container back. Right, now let's let's focus in on what we perceive to be market rate. So it meant that we didn't create lots of vacancy by putting up prices to our existing customers who were really at a previous level and a previous expectation of price. And it may be that those customers are not willing to pay that higher price and therefore would move on to somewhere else. So rather than creating lots of vacancy, which then makes it more difficult to negotiate and get a good price, we've just focused in on containers as they've come up, as they've been vacated. And this meant really that our our occupancy level stayed high and therefore that whole scarcity thing continued as only one or two containers would come up for reletting. And this site is still in the optimization phase or phase two and it'll take a year or two to get to the new price level overall. But then the site will become a more mature site that requires a different management and is, of course, the maintaining phase. Now, just as a, an update, we are now achieving that 25 to 30% higher, depending on what rate the customer was on when they left, and we relet that container. And we're still at 100% occupancy, so that means that maybe, maybe there are some other improvements. And we have identified a few improvements in the product offer not just in you know improvements in the price, which may mean we can go through the whole process again to get the whole site up to a higher level of offer and therefore return. You see, it's, it's a never-ending cycle, this, of building, optimising and maintaining. And then listening to your customers and the market, redesigning if you need to, building and going again. If you don't, eventually the competition will catch up and your site will remain a mature site and potentially a site of opportunity for someone else. Our newest location, which is nearing the first phase completion just in the next week or so, is already past the bums on seats phase before we've even opened because some of the great pre-sales that's been done by the team. However, we haven't elected to release the whole site from day one. It's been phased. Now, for a whole host of reasons, but keeping a tighter grip on suppliers has a knock-on effect to our ability to sell that space at a fair market price. So we will continue optimising the price as we do viewing after viewing after viewing. And we test the market rate. But the product we think there is is going to be a, a really good product and it's different in that market. And as we have more bums on seats, more occupancy, less of that feeling of being a guinea pig, we should be able to drive a good price for that space. Now, a quick Subnote to this, understanding the competition is critical to any of these phases. The competition might be full. They might have lots of vacancy. They might have a much higher price point than you anyway. But you need to be constantly in tune with what's going on out there. A way to combat what the competition is doing is not necessarily immediately hitting the panic button and dropping your prices, of course. It's about thinking about your offer and what their offer is and how to differentiate them. But have a think about this. If they were full, then that's going to have an effect on your pricing point, isn't it? Because there's that scarcity thing. If they've got lots of vacancy, that may also have an effect, of course, on your price point. But it depends on the soul, the offer, how the place feels, all the other less tangible things that will make a difference. And if they've got a much higher price point, then what are you worried about? 
there's something to target. Thing is, you need to be keeping a close eye on your performance KPIs, I guess, such as inquiry numbers, the conversions, and occupancy. Because if you don't, it could slowly boil you up like that frog in a pot of cold water being slowly heated over a fire. You only realise what's happening after the fact. So don't let a competitor come into the market, not pay attention to them, and they manage to pinpoint a really good, unique offer, and they start to pull your numbers down. And if you're not keeping track of your numbers, you won't notice it. So, a quick summary then. Phase one, bums on seats. Get some occupancy, prove the space, create an attractive feeling or a soul for your multi-let space. Then you can move on to phase two, that optimization, And it's constantly testing, testing, tweaking and testing. Get to the optimum occupancy and price level. This is not necessarily where you think it might be, by the way. It isn't at that 100% occupancy number. There is a sweet spot beyond 100% occupancy, which I think I'm going to cover on the next short clip podcast. It's a tricky place to maintain with a few factors constantly influencing it, but it is where the best optimization and therefore ROI on your money or somebody else's money lies. More on that in the next episode, as I say. The third phase is the maintaining phase. Keep doing those great things that got you here and provide great value for your clients whilst constantly keeping an eye on the competition and different emerging offer types that are gaining traction. Now, it doesn't mean you have to jump on the next trend every five minutes, but it's good practice to keep a broad view of what's going on in the industry and in your neck of the woods in particular. There's a lot more to this than we can possibly get into a podcast. But hopefully that's given you a framework to plan and benchmark your location growth. I hope that you are recognising some of these things about bums and seats, optimization, and maintaining through some of the work you've already done or some of the competition analysis you've been doing if you haven't actually started a site yet. So thanks for listening to the podcast. If you think this was useful to any other budding commercial property investors, then please do share or tag us into your social media posts. We will keep an eye out and aim to respond to every comment. Have a fantastic week in commercial and remember, to get anywhere in this industry, you need to get into the swim. Hi there, I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you, will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast? And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.